Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Can you feel it? Can you sense it? Can you smell it in the air? It's very eerily calm here in New York City for a day that's full of so much tension. It does feel quite a bit like this is what happens right before the storm. And when some of you are listening to this, I know you may have, depending on whether we're on delay where you listen on one of our affiliates or if you're listening on the podcast, you might already know more than I do about what has happened. But I'm telling you today about what's going on in the macro sense. What's what's the biggest picture we can take of the situation? And I'll tell you this much. No matter what the outcome of this election may be. And as you know, I've been very strongly positive uh, about Trump's chances here. I've, I've predicted a win. Not shy about saying it. I think, what, 276 electoral college votes, something like that for Trump is what I'm what I'm seeing in my head. But prediction is a fun game because no one knows and anybody can get it wrong. But here's what we do know already. What Donald Trump has accomplished in the last four years has been truly astonishing. And that's true on multiple levels. Let's just first start with the track record. Um, Let's start with things that people said he either wouldn't be able to do or wouldn't do because he was unwilling You look at the economy and it turns out that what many of us have believed, and this is something you can point to the data on, you can look at the numbers, what many of us have believed for a long time now, that if you have less onerous government taxation and regulation, if you let the business of the American people be business, everybody benefits. It's good for the overall economy. It means that you have better, faster, cheaper products. It means that people have more money to invest either in companies or just in themselves, in their education and in uh, paying down their mortgage and buying a house for the first time, whatever it may be. It's better for us. It's better for the economy. The government is not as good at spending your dollars as you are. And so there should be an absolute minimum of taxation and there should be a bare minimum of regulation along with it because central planning through all these different ways the government harasses and undermines businesses also harms all of us. So these are these are foundational philosophical concepts of conservatism, of limited, not necessarily small government these days, let's be honest, but limited government uh, conservatism. And Trump has proven that the model was right. The Obama administration for eight years, for which Joe Biden, we know, was the vice president when he wasn't making deals on the side for a little hunter. The Obama administration was unable to achieve the similar growth rate for GDP that you had seen from many, many other presidents. And it was really a a record low recovery from a depression or from a recession uh, going all the way back to World War Two. It turns out that having the government spend a whole lot of money and regulate people into oblivion is not useful, is not good for making people better off, but. It is good if you want to be in control. It's good if you want to shore up your political base. And if you think you have some sanctified moral purpose of spreading money around to people who did not make it, give people things that do not belong to them through the state, 
like Bastiat, the law, people wanting to live through the plunder of every other person. And everyone thinks that they'll be better off if someone else just loses more stuff and it's given to them. And the people that are doing that rearranging use that to their advantage. That's a summary version of not just the Obama Biden economy, but of the Democrat Party's view of the world. Okay, so on the economy, Trump was right. The numbers bear it out. Trump knew what he was doing. The tax cut was a major stimulus for everybody. It did put a lot of money in the hands of uh, of average folks. In fact, every family across the country that pays taxes and a lot of them don't. But every family across the country that pays taxes got a tax cut. All right. You look at trade with China. This is one of the areas where we were told Trump was completely out of line, out of his mind. And now he has managed to shift that consensus. And that was a bipartisan consensus before Trump came into office. Oh, China will just get more liberal and will behave better as it becomes larger, richer and more powerful. In retrospect, doesn't that seem really stupid to you? Doesn't that consensus that was rammed in all of our in all of our faces all the time? Oh, yes, this is the way it is. The people at the think tanks and the, the commentary at all across cable news and uh, the various you know, academic experts on the on the issue of uh, China trade relations, they would all say, oh, no, China is going to come our way. Let's just make them as wealthy and influential on the global scale as possible. And then they'll behave really well. And let's ignore all the theft of intellectual property, all the cheating on trade that they are doing and just suffer in silence. That was the consensus position, because a lot of people felt like they were doing quite well with that position. And if you look and see all the different ways that China has economic influence in this country, I mean, the NBA won't criticize China for a reason. Right. We all know what it is about dollars and cents, folks. Trump took on that challenge. He defied all of the experts. Remember, oh, Trump should listen to the experts. But he'd been saying this for decades. He knew because he understands bare knuckle business negotiations. A guy who's done plenty of it himself. and knows that the Chinese Communist Party was absolutely taking us out for a ride. This was not something that we should have sat back and allowed to happen as long as it did. And I'm not even getting into all the theft of intellectual property and the other things that they've done, which are unbelievably damaging and i think we're going to unfortunately look back on the days when we allow the chinese communist party to steal so much of our intellectual property as a pivot point as a shift we think we're going to be ahead of china you know economic uh, from an economic standpoint military standpoint for the foreseeable right my lifetime your lifetime uh, that may not be the case and one of the reasons is that our biggest advantage uh, against the Chinese Communist Party and against this authoritarian state capitalist uh, entity, it's not really communist, as you know, uh, was our intellectual property and our innovation. Well, if they can steal all of that. Guess what? What's our biggest advantage? They got a lot more people than us and far fewer regulations about the Green New Deal and you know trying to make for clean energy and all this other stuff, you know, human rights violations, worker codes, unions, these things don't slow down the Chinese industrial machine. What we have, our advantage is our intellectual property, is the ability that we have in a mostly free market-based system for the best ideas to win and uh, proliferate. Well, if you can steal all that, it's like the kid who's copying the smartest kid in the class's homework. You're still getting, you're going to get an A just like the other kid. doesn't matter if you couldn't do the work on your own. 
That's what's happening. Trump decided to finally, finally push back on that. And he deserves a ton of credit because I remember in the early days, 2017, right after Trump's miraculous election and defeat of Hillary Clinton. And that's another thing. We should forever be grateful to Donald J. Trump for giving us the four years that he did and preventing us from being subjected to the Clinton crime family for four years. I mean, that that alone is a tremendous service to the American people, not just to Republicans, to everybody. Uh, Hillary Clinton is a rapacious, greedy, unbelievably amoral person with a hole in her soul that will only be filled with power and money. And we all know it. Trump prevented four years of that. And so we should be thankful. The first three years of the Trump presidency were three of the best years I can remember in this country in my lifetime. That's the truth. And many of you will recall around this time Last year, November and December, I was just I kept telling you. And last summer, some people even felt like I was saying it too much. But I was wanted everyone to know, enjoy this, friends, booming economy, peacetime, just nothing but options and opportunity out there all across America. So much good stuff going. They, they had to pick issues. Oh, my gosh. You know, kids in cages at the border. And we were all supposed to think that Trump was Hitler and a Russian asset and all this stuff. This was all make believe emotional garbage about Russia collusion. It was all insane. But they would pick issues and make it seem like everything else that was happening in the country was terrible. This was all a fraud. So I want us all to go into tonight knowing. First and foremost, that we should be proud of what the Trump movement accomplished so far. And I could sit here and keep going on and on. No wars. How about that? And I'm somebody who saw up close and personal what our military had to go through in Iraq and Afghanistan and had a lot of access, particularly in uh, those two countries, to what the government don't generally want people to know about, which is really how the sausage is being made, so to speak, behind the behind the scenes in the intel world, how nasty, uh, how how violent, how untrustworthy so many of these different factions and groups that we either had to work with or that. We were trying to uh, pacify. We've moved away from that. Trump has not started some massive military uh, conflagration, and he deserves a whole lot of praise for that. So you've got a booming economy, peace. You've got peace deals that he's signing, a great new trade deal with U.S., Mexico, Canada. Even Nancy Pelosi had to say, yeah, it was a good deal. People were saying, oh, he's going to touch NAFTA. He's going to ruin the economy. They didn't know anything. So remember, Trump was supposed to be the guy who did not understand policy and on his biggest policy initiatives on the domestic front and dealing with trade internationally. uh, He was remarkably successful. I could sit here and talk to you about the judges, three Supreme Court judges, uh, three Supreme Court justices, uh, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch and ACB. They will put a mark on the court. For decades to come, hopefully better than John Roberts, what we got from Bush. That's for sure. All the different federal judges across the judiciary. Trump appointees and high five Mitch McConnell for getting it done there, too, and not backing down. We've gotten a lot in the first four years of the Trump presidency. And now here's part of why I feel like no matter what, no matter what, we will win. What do I mean by that? I do believe Donald Trump when I speak to you tomorrow, will be either 
the president for four more years or in the process of getting a final declaration of being the president for four more years. I do believe that. But even if that were to, let's say, and it's possible, if that were to not happen, uh, the Trump movement is not going to stop because while he was the messenger and he was the essential vessel for all of this, uh, we understand politics in a new way now. We have wartime conservatism spreading all throughout the land where we understand that the other side views this as zero sum. They don't want moderation. They don't want mitigation. They want power and they want to wield it. And working within our system and stealing ourselves with whatever principles and courage we can, we have to push back, fight back and win. That's where we are. You got to win or else you're going to be subject, uh, subject to the bad policies, decision making and statism of the other side. Trump has reminded us of that. He's reminded us of, more than anybody else, the dangers of even thinking for a moment that you should bend the knee and apologize to your enemies. They don't want your apology. They want your destruction. Why are you going to bend the knee? One of the favorite games among conservatives in the media in years past was to find other conservatives who needed to show their principle by throwing a conservative or throwing a Republican official or somebody under the bus, you know, as kind of an offering to the, oh, I'm one of the good ones, God, right? As kind of uh, some kind of buying off the other side so that the you know, New York Times might say something nice about you at some point. That was the Romney-McCain conservatism of the past or Republicanism of the past. I think it's gone forever. So we should celebrate that, or at least it's gone for the foreseeable future. And that's because of Donald Trump as well. Uh, there is now a whole new cultural movement uh, because of Trumpism. And let's just say it. I, I haven't really even spoken to you about this before. Donald Trump has made the Republican Party cool. Donald Trump has allowed uh, a whole generation of younger voters, younger people out there to understand that we are pushing back against the hive mind. We are pushing back against the Borg, against this uh, wokeism and this completely absolutist demand of the left that there can be only one view on any issue. And that that's the way it has to be. And you're not even allowed to dissent. Never mind. Get your way. We have funnier memes. We have more joyful and safe and respectful political rallies. There's a whole political culture out there because of Donald Trump. It's changed, and it's one that's for the better. So, yes, there are people I could start to point to um, as the hopes of the party for the future. I mean, I know people will talk about, you know, Josh Hawley. I know people will bring up, oh, Ted Cruz has still got a whole new chapter left here. I mean, there's a lot of folks in the Republican Party who understand how we can actually fight and win because of Donald Trump. So remember that tonight as we go forward. I am confident, but I'm also a realist. But no matter what happens in the end, I know the Trump movement will continue because it's not finished. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. We could have a, 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 a prolonged period where we, we don't have a legitimate transfer of power for the first time in our history. And I believe the stress out of that, the economic dislocation and the violence of that 
uh, could be uh, just terrible. So I'm I'm praying that doesn't happen. But I think that we have to we have to realize that given the extreme nature of this president, given the fact that he he has no bottom, he, he it, it's very clear. Um, as I said the other night, you know, Al Gore, when he lost in a very close uh, ultimately Supreme Court decided vote, he took a bullet for the country. Donald Trump will put a bullet into the country. And and if we if you don't if you don't think that's true, then you haven't been paying attention the last four years. I mean, here's one of the great overrated underwhelming pseudo intellectuals of the last 30 years, Tom Friedman of the New York times, a guy who happened to be in the right place at the right time at one point in his career for a lot of things going on in the middle East. And then from a policy perspective was stunningly wrong about the middle East reliably for about the last 20 years. And he's somebody who the uh, liberal readership of the New York times would treat as though he, he was gospel on these issues. Just wrong, wrong, on so much and wrong on Trump. Notice this. Trump has no bottom. What basis do they have for that? What what is the horrific unconstitutional action that President Trump in these four years has taken? What is it that he's done exactly? And I, whenever I say this, I'll get some some muttering and some sputtering about good people on both sides or, you know, r- rapists and murderers coming across the border. So I said, so either comments taken out of context that led to no action. And in the case, in in both of those cases, for example, are just completely misrepresented. I mean, they're straight up lying about the Charlottesville. That's a lie. They're lying about the Charlottesville comments that have been all along. That's no bottom for a president. Really? What's, what is the thing that he's done? You know, I, I really, I love asking liberals this question because they look at me like I'm crazy. And then they start saying things that sound like it comes out of the Joe Biden gibberish book of What is that? What does that even mean? What is the horrible thing Trump's on his tweets? That's the reason we're supposed to be so concerned about a, a Trump coup because he calls out the mainstream media. One of the great victories of the Trump era is that the legacy media now they're not done. But they're on a pathway to they're on a pathway to losing the power and influence that they've enjoyed really for the last you know 50 years. It's it's now on the way out this. Oh, but if I if I'm on the Peacock channel or something and if I'm on NBC or if I'm on. Oh, this is why are any of these, these these places impressive? Who is it that they put before you to tell you what's going on in the country that you should listen to? You have a lot of options now. You have endless options, actually, from whom to get your information. Anyone really believe that they, they have the best, the brightest, the smartest at CBS Evening News, where Dan Rather, that clown, was, was the top of the masthead for how many years? Where it's CNN, Anderson Cooper, and you know, Fake Tapper, and Chris Cuomo. These are the people that we're supposed to think are honest arbiters of the truth. No intelligent person who's well-informed could believe that. It's not possible. But there's a lot of brainwashing that goes on and people don't like to feel as though they've been brainwashed. And so they'll cling to ideas even when they've been proven faulty. Trump has shown us that the mainstream media, as as a general principle, the mainstream media is dishonest and fraudulent. He's shown that unequivocally. He's shown us this. And that's going to linger. That's going to stay. I mean, the Hunter Biden suppression 
is just the most recent example of this. But we've gone going back for years now. I mean, Russia collusion is such a farce. It was so embarrassing. I never believed it for one second. I was never wrong about a single aspect of it. And I'm just a guy who brings his life experience and his you know, reading of books and news sites to do some analysis here. I'm not a thousand person news gathering organization like the New York Times. How is it that I was right about all of that? And the New York Times, you know, a, a billion dollar media company or probably worth a lot less than that now, but you don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, is so wrong. H- how is that possible? Well, because of the massive brainwashing that goes on and people want to be comfortable in the crowd. They want to feel like they're part of the smart, good people idea. And the moment you start to ask questions and you hold your own side accountable, that can feel uncomfortable. And if you're not used to that because you're a leftist and, you know, you grew up in Brooklyn and you, you know, you went to a, uh, I don't know, a Montessori school and then you went to, a, you know, your local public school and then you went to. Wesleyan and then you get a job as an assistant editor at the New York Times you've never been confronted with ideas that you don't agree with and you don't like and that's true you can play that out in cities across the country right this would be true of somebody growing up in Chicago in Los Angeles you're just surrounded with the echo chamber effect you really want to believe that maybe what you've been told is if not entirely untrue at least often at odds with the truth often an exaggeration I mean, there you had Tom Friedman. This guy is, you know, incredibly rich. I think he married a very, very wealthy woman. And, you know, he's done well in his own right, too. And he goes around waxing philosophical about how Trump is a danger to the country. And let's all remember, friends. And, you know, he, he's one of the, the great relics of the establishment media. He had a New York Times column when that was the absolute top of the editorial heap. It really be pre-Internet, early days of the Internet. You know, nothing could come close to that in terms of reach. Um, and, and the power, think about the influence these people had. There was no competition, really. Yeah, there were little rinky-dink newspapers, and you know, there were some uh, you know, upstart conservative publications, editorial publications here and there, but there was nothing that could match up in the late 90s, the early 2000s with the New York Times and the Washington Post. They're losing that grip on power now, and they have to hide their writers and, and the people that work for them from the public, because when we find out what they really believe, how unfair they are to Donald Trump as a general rule, how much they're a bunch of partisan activists and not really journalists, people see this and they go, wow, OK, so I really shouldn't trust them. So it's true what Donald Trump says about the fake news, the reason it stings them so much, the reason it bothers it bothers the media and they act like. You know, they're being marched off to prison cells every time he just makes fun of them at a rally is because, one, they have, especially at the national TV journalism level, huge, inflated and completely unjustified egos. And two, they they really deep down know that they're frauds. They will never admit that, but they know what they do is fraudulent. They know that there's a, a fundamental dishonesty to what they're presenting to their audience every day. They're not going to talk about it at cocktail parties, but it's there and it's true. So Trump's war against the media, I'm here to tell you as we're going into this election night. Um, and you can check out I'll be doing live coverage on the first TV with my friend uh, Jesse Kelly tonight, starting at eight o'clock. So if you don't have the first TV app, download it. 
and uh, check it out. We're going to have Bill O'Reilly will be joining us, Dana Lash, and we've got a great lineup and a lot that we're going to want to share with you over the course of the night. And look, team, I want you there with me. I want you, uh, you know, there with me uh, working through all this stuff. So the other part of this that I wanted to say is we have a tremendous, tremendous uh, victory in the Trump camp just by the defeat of the mainstream media's uh, foundational underlying faulty premise of what they do. That's never going to change. And that's something that we can build on now more than ever. The legacy media's grip on Americans' perceptions and, and imaginations is slipping. Yes, I know we've got a big the next battle is really going to be against big tech. And that's when we have not figured out we have not won that one. But against the mainstream media, they're they're not replicating their audience. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They're going to lose their ability uh, to continue to dominate the narrative just because of, of built in advantages, incumbency effectively. That's why people still watch CNN, because it's been on the air and it was on the air when there wasn't a lot else and it has a brand and people know it. And, and now it's just turned into a liberal echo chamber, which makes people feel good. They just want to be told all the time that their ideas are right. And that's what Tom Friedman does, in The New York Times and so many others. I mean, he just happened to say something stupid about the president today. That's why he's in the uh, Freedom Hut crosshair, so to speak. But yeah, you could do this with countless people. They act like we've been through some horrific four years and unfortunately because of the pandemic this year has been bad for the country but it's been bad for the whole world and the way they blame trump for this is reckless and dishonest but it may work it may work at the end of the day i think that'll be the that that's really what the referendum is about right now did did people believe at the end of all this and when we look back did they think that donald trump handled this enormous challenge the biggest challenge of his presidency by far did he handle this well enough or not i think that will be the question that we look back on as the, as the defining one of this election i think that he did a good job and i think that it has been very challenging experts have been buffoonishly wrong all along during this and the public has just had not only their irrational fears to begin with but the magnification of them for political reasons by the mainstream media has been just reckless. I mean, utterly reckless. You even had to have uh, Melania come out and say recently that people need to stop, uh, need to stop saying that the vaccine can't be trusted because of Trump. That is going to cost lives. I mean, that, that is a really straight line you can draw between they watch CNN and they hear that you can't trust Trump's FDA to, well, I guess I'm not going to get that vaccine. And some of the people that make that choice probably will get the virus and probably will die. They don't care, though. That's just the call. That's just the cost of politics for the left now. That doesn't matter to them at all. That is a calculation they're willing to make. Meanwhile, if you try to live your life and go about your job, if you're the president, hold rallies, whatever it is that you're doing, um, you're a covid spreader and an immoral monster, and everyone should throw you out of office. There are so many big lies of the uh, Biden administration, um, uh, or rather the Biden campaign, which could be an administration within 24 hours, good God, or at least it will be in waiting. Uh, but the biggest one for me, I don't even know if I could say it's the biggest one, but the one that, that strikes me as, the, well, there are two things. I'll say there are two things. That Joe Biden is an impressive, honorable a human being who should be president. I mean, that's just laughable. But beyond that, 
I mean, he's just an intense mediocrity who's done exactly what he needs to do for the maximum benefit of Joe Biden, his heirs and his associates. And then beyond that, that he has some plan, that he has some version of the future that's so remarkably better than what Trump has done so far with the covid pandemic. They always say this. And then when you listen, it's well, what exactly is going to be the next. What's the next big move? What's the next thing that's supposed to happen here? And then it turns into more Bidenism. What was that? How exactly am I supposed to make that into a policy? Oh, I'll listen to the experts. I'll listen to the science. This is uh, this is a phrase that is uttered by people who do not think for themselves. That's a phrase that you should recognize right away. This is a canned political slogan. This doesn't mean anything. What experts on what issue? How? What's the implementation of this? You know, this would be like someone saying, I'm going to become a better student. Okay, how? I'm going to study more. All right, well, how much more? What subjects? What makes you think that that's going to necessarily work for subjects where perhaps you're already falling behind? I mean, there's so many ways you can take this, but no, I'm just going to do more. I'm going to do more. What exactly? I haven't figured that part out yet. That's what Biden's telling you to do right now. Just trust him with that. I think a lot of Americans recognize that this is empty, this is hollow, but I'm worried. I'm worried. The media is still far more powerful than it should be. I've told you Trump's going to win. I think he's going to win, but I'm, pre- I'm prepared for whatever happens, friends. That's, if there's a central mantra, a central idea for this show, it's that we understand who we are. Freedom Hut, conservatives, Team Buck, the right, whatever, however you want to designate it. We know who we are. We know what we stand for. And we will never, ever stop fighting because the fight is what it's all about. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. So we're going to mass distribute the vaccine in just a few short weeks. It's going to be coming out very soon, and we will quickly eradicate the virus, wipe out the China plague once and for all, get it the hell out of here. You know, I was telling you a year ago that the American people should really enjoy where we were because it was as pretty much as good as it was going to get. I was right. Uh, I'm also going to tell you this right now. We have something to look forward to. Uh, we will beat this virus at some point. Even if it becomes endemic within the population, uh, it will be something that is manageable and controllable to the point where only the most overanxious um, and just absurd you know, worriers are going to think that they can't go about normal life at that point. When we've got I'm talking about with even better therapeutics, with more vaccines, there's some nanoparticle vaccine they're testing now on mice that's 10 times stronger than even the antibodies you get after. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that's coming. I mean, think about it. the whole world's resources in the medical uh, in the medical realm have been focused in on this issue. So, yes, it's incredibly complicated. It takes time. But we are going to we are going to beat this thing. And just imagine what that imagine what that'll be like at your first barbecue, you know, at your first wedding or, um, you know, I mean, as a guest or whatever, going out to the bar, going out to your local watering hole, your favorite, you know, uh, pizzeria in the neighborhood. And everyone's just jammed shoulder to shoulder laughing coughing talking whatever right and no one cares we will get back there that is coming 
And I'm telling you this. I'm trying to remind everybody of this because we have been artificially depressed on on purpose by the media to make us all feel like Donald Trump has presided over this horrific event. That's his fault. It is a terrible situation, but it's that it's all his fault that forget about the fact that Europe is now having extreme lockdowns again. Stay. So, you know, there's I always say lockdown. We're talking stay at home orders now. We're talking you're not allowed to leave your home. That's now becoming a, a, a rolling uh, new series of policies in major European countries. I don't think it's Donald Trump's fault. I don't think it's the non mask wearers fault. That that's happening, um, but that's what they'll tell you. That's what the plan will be. Notice how little you've heard about the vaccine. I have had uh, I have had in the last week or so, I, I had the uh, White House doc, who's one of the top people on Operation Warp Speed, which, as you know, is the vaccine development group that the White House has set up. And w- when this thing is finally out there, I mean, this will be the fastest from outbreak to vaccine uh, that that medicine has ever gone. So to call it warp speed is entirely fair. You're not hearing about that, though. See, friends, they've got a couple things. One is that bad news always does better for the media. Bad news gets attention, right? I, I could sit here and tell you uh, the sky is falling. We're all going to die soon. We're all going to die eventually, but we're all going to die soon. China's going to invade tomorrow. You, know, you can just talk about all this crazy stuff, but people will listen. When you tell people because it comes from a place of honesty and you want them to feel better, when you tell a lot of folks, hey, we got things to be optimistic and positive about. Yeah, some people understand that that's important to hear, too. But a lot of folks, oh, no, you don't don't want to say that, you know, say if it bleeds, it leads. Tell us stories of calamity and how America's best days are behind it and all this kind of stuff. Look, if Joe Biden wins, America's best days may be behind it, but I'm an optimist. What can I tell you? I'm an optimist because you got to be and this is an ethos. I talked about wartime conservatism, but you got to be a happy warrior. Got to understand that at the end of the day, what matters is who you are, what you do with your life. You know, we're all pushing for the least onerous government possible and the government that can be a a government that can be more moral in its actions, uh, more fair uh, in the way that it applies the law. And that respects individual rights and, and constitutional principles. It's never going to be perfect. And we're going to have losses as well as victories. We know that. So we take it up. We take a mature approach to all this. We view all this, I think, in the way that adults should. Now, when I say we, I mean, that's the general ethos of conservatism. Democrats are going to melt down like the witch in the Wizard of Oz after water is thrown on her. They're melting and they're not going to be able to handle it at all. Act like a bunch of crybabies if they lose. If they win, oh my gosh, they're going to be sore winners, which is fine. See, the thing is, I don't care if they do break dances in the end zone, so to speak. I, I don't care. Fine. Okay. If, if they manage to, you know, so they, so they hoodwink the American people with this, you know, geriatric buffoon Biden. And uh, in, a, in a pandemic year, they were able to squeak out a victory against Donald Trump. They really think that Trump is done after this they really don't think that one of trump's children is going to run or somebody who was very close to the administration who's already in elected office and will carry the mantle of trumpism forward isn't going to run in four years it's not over friends right now if they take the senate 
and they take the White House and they hold the house. Maybe time to start looking at property in Costa Rica. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's time to start thinking of it. See, we don't do that. I'm just kidding. We don't do that thing that all the libs do. I'm going to move. I'm going to leave. Sure you are. Sure you are. Yeah, they're going to go. They're going to go some far, far off place where they won't get nearly as much attention when they talk about how their politics is uh, politics are not working out the way they want them to. But we are going to have a vaccine soon. I want to go back to this. We're going to have a vaccine. You're not hearing about it. It's weeks away from approval. Once it's approved, if we get this vaccine to, uh, you know, the first the first 10, 15, 20 million Americans who get it, if they're in that high risk category, so frontline healthcare providers and then people just in the general population who are who have a comorbidity and are also over the age of 65 and we get that vaccine out there to them, you're going to see huge benefit. Already, the case number, and, and they, they don't talk to you about this. I, look, I think COVID is the biggest story of this year by far. I know other people are going to spend most of today on Hunter Biden's laptop. Friends, I always tell you the truth. Look, I, I th- if I was just chasing ears and ratings all the time, yeah, I would j- nothing but Hunter Biden laptop all day, all night, all the time. I don't think that's what's going to determine Ohio, Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. I don't, I don't buy it. I'm glad the story's out there. I think uh, people did great work on it, and it showed beyond any doubt how corrupt and dishonest the media is. So don't get me wrong. But if we're really talking about how in this last moment as people, as I'm speaking to you, people are in line across the country making this decision. Maybe even some of them are listening to this show before they're going or perhaps even in the line. Um, And I'm trying to I'm trying to defeat this faulty narrative that COVID is Donald Trump's fault, because I think that that's the way the Democrats believe they're going to win this thing. And they just ignore the Hunter Biden thing the way that they have, because the people that really get worked up about that have already known that Hunter Biden was scummy and that Joe Biden was running a influence peddling operation. And we've already known that we've already known that. And I always tell you, I remind you, I said the same thing about Benghazi. And I was right. You know, it was great for Trey Gowdy's media career, but it, it didn't actually do anything. Uh, the, the hearings I'm talking about, it, it didn't, you know, who, who went to jail? Who, who was, did it even stop Hillary Clinton from, mm, you could try to argue that, but uh, the emails were a much bigger deal uh, for Hillary than, than Benghazi was. I don't even remember people even talking about. It. I tried to get Benghazi Hillary going for a while as a joke. It didn't even work. People wouldn't even bring it up. COVID is the deciding factor in this year, in this election. Um, And that's why it's important to remind everybody that vaccines are coming, that Trump got the PPE. Trump used the Defense Production Act. He did listen to the experts. I mean, they're saying think about how how warped this mentality has become. The claim is that Donald Trump didn't listen to the experts. Meanwhile, Trump shut off travel from whole regions of the globe by executive order, shut down our borders and assisted and, yes, enabled states in unprecedented lockdown and stay at home orders. This has never been done before. And it was done on the advice of experts. And they say he did not listen to the experts. How is this claim even remotely credible? How is this something that anybody could believe at this point? Just look at what's actually happened. 
in fact, one of my criticisms, and I will tell you, I'm very uh, happy that to this day, the one thing when I had my hour long sit down with the president back in uh, May in the Oval, and we talked about a lot of stuff, some on the record, some off the record. You know, the off the record was mostly what I think about different people in different parts of the government that I remember from my time. And the uh, the on the record stuff, I've shared some with you here. But the big part of it was I just I looked at him and I said, Mr. President, just please, sir, no second, no second lockdown. And he looked at me and he said, Buck, we're not doing it. We're not. We're going to put out the fires as we go. You've heard him use it. I asked him that question and what he said to me. And I'm not trying to make a big deal. of this. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. What he said to me, he then went out and told and blasted to because he realized I, I got to get out. You know, we, we got to make sure people know I, I'm not pushing for a second lockdown. And he talked about the same putting out the fires as they come up idea. He said that to me in the Oval. And for the first time ever, I saw him. Now, I probably should have reported that when he said it to me. But I, I was I was more focused on the conversation with the leader of the free world and not trying to run out there and tweet about it right away. Uh, but he he said we're not doing it and he was definitive on it and you know he he was absolutely locked in on why we should not lock down again and that's going to be a huge difference between what you see if you have a biden win versus a trump win they will lock down the country let, let me give you my my example of, of of the mentality here I was in I was in Afghanistan in 2010. I was a effectively the intel liaison to a four star to the four star general running the theater at the time, uh, theater of uh, operations. And so I was everything from the intel side that was going to him. I was bringing actually you know involved in bringing to him, briefing him on, and and I was seeing all this stuff. And I remember the Obama administration comes in, you know, early on. You know, before I was in country, the Obama administration had come in and their whole thing was Iraq was the bad war. Afghanistan's the good war. So there was this whole effort to come up with, well, we're just going to leave Iraq because and then we're going to do all the stuff in Afghanistan. They had a big policy review in Afghanistan. This is the Obama administration, big policy review. And then they're going to figure out because they're the smart people, Obama, Biden, that whole team. They're the smart people. They're going to fix it. Well, I was there and I remember thinking, there's no way that what they think they're going to do here is going to work. And no one in country at the time who knew Afghanistan well thought it was really going to work. But they, you know, surged a hundred, a hundred thousand plus troops in country and did all this stuff. They did it because Obama didn't want to look weak and he had made the case and he had to follow through on the case that he made come hell or high water. Didn't matter what the reality on the ground was. That same mentality is going to be why Joe Biden takes us into a just a series of continued draconian COVID. This is what I've been saying. I must be right. Let's do that thing. Irrespective of what when you actually are in that decision making seat, different than being in the election, irrespective of what people who really know the data and know the facts are telling you. So, no, no, no. I, I said this must be true. So therefore, we're going to do it. You're going to we're heading into lockdowns like you've like we've never seen before. If Biden wins. Because they're right. That's what they think, because we're right. We're going to do this to prove to everybody. And it's unfalsifiable. That's the thing about it. That's the most annoying for me. Well, a lot of things about it are annoying, but they're going to um, claim that whatever the numbers are, they would have been much worse. 
whatever they make us do, whatever nonsense they put us through with the masking and distancing and all this stuff that they're going to mandate now, which means the force of government is behind it, which means they're going to have to punish people. They're going to have to actually make you do this stuff or else it's not a mandate. Uh, Whatever it may be, they're going to say we saved lives. And the media will say, yes, the media will all be chirping right alongside them. They saved lives. They saved lives. Look what they did. It's not going to be true. In fact, you know how they always talked about how Trump inherited the Obama economy. If Biden wins, he's going to inherit the Trump virus response, which is basically about to hand him a vaccine. And, and what do you think? Do you think Biden's going to going to give credit if he takes if he takes over in January and the pandemic by March is basically done because the virus has been distributed for nine. I mean, the uh, vaccine's been distributed for 90 days. You think Biden and anybody else is going to say, wow, I guess the Trump administration warp speed did it. No, they're going to say, yeah, we, we we won. We fixed it. Get ready for it. 